and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to say thank you to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter tires starting at only $49.95, only at Big O Tires. They have no credit needed financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up here momentarily. We'll talk to him, uh, obviously, about the big game coming up this weekend against USC. We'll talk to him a little bit uh, about Bill Marcroft as well as uh, he passed away over the weekend. The longtime voice of uh, the Utes. Uh, Bill Marcroft and um, yeah Frank worked with him for a while in fact I, I I was trying to think about how many years Frank would have done the broad, broadcast with Bill but uh, it was it was a few yes it was and uh, yeah they had a had a, quite the uh, camaraderie on the Ute uh, telecast and broadcast I mean so let's let's hear from Frank. Yeah, out to the zone phone we go. Uh, joining us now, former Ute, longtime Utah analyst Frank Dolce, with us here on the Big Show. Uh, Frank, uh, how how many years did you do the broadcast with Bill Markroff? Oh, you know, I I was thinking about that, and I to be honest, I did I never got to the point of calculating how many years that was. When did when did Bill retire? Oh, four okay, right after. Four, yeah. yeah, right after the the Fiesta Bowl. So yeah, I was. I started in uh, 1993 with Bill. 93 season. So 10, 11 years. It's a long yeah. time. It uh, was a long time. I, I saw your reaction on on Twitter, Frank. But uh, take us through it uh, when you heard the news uh, yesterday. Oh, you know, it's just. Uh... Gosh, I don't know. He, he he's he was just one of a kind, and um, I think you. I felt anyway. I think a lot of people probably feel a sense, a real sense of loss because he was such a unique individual, uh, and because he meant so much to so many people, and he wasn't unapproachable. I mean, I think that one of the things I always think about Bill is. Uh, and one of the things I hope I learned from Bill is that you always ha- he, he always had time for for anybody, and 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 you know it, it can it, you know it can get long days can get long talking about Utah athletics or whatever you may be involved with can get long and I know you guys face it too but somebody inevitably will come up to you after doing some broadcast or something and. They want to talk about the game or a player or some incident, and and Bill always had time for that, and he always made whomever asked the question feel like it was the most important question he heard that day. And I think that was unique about about him. He always made time for people. He always had time for people, and like I said, he was very approachable. 
Frank, do you have any stories, behind-the-scenes stories, something that happened during a broadcast or during a game or anything you can share? <laughs> well, there's plenty that I can't share. No, that's probably not true. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there are, there's so many. In fact, I started making a little bit of a list of things that I remember um, in, in spending time with Bill and all the years on the road and uh, the things that he loved. And, you know, in, in, when we went to Arizona, he always had his favorite Mexican restaurant that he enjoyed. And when we went to Laramie, Wyoming, then we always had to go to the cavalryman. And um, he was, he, he was just super unique. I think one of my favorite stories about him um is when Utah played at Michigan. Um, this is yeah, obviously several years ago, and we were sitting in the big house. And Bill, you know, the, Bill, Bill's the ultimate pro broadcaster, um, and he always did something special, I guess. Um, his pregame, he always read it live. It was never... He, he didn't necessarily record. He always kind of read it live. And so for this particular game, going to the big house at, at that point in Utah football and Utah athletics was a big deal. And he spent, you know, we, we, got to the, we got to the stadium about five or six hours early, which we always did when, when we were on the road, which was also unique. Um, most of the time, during a significant portion of our time together, he was also the engineer, set up all of the equipment himself. We didn't have an engineer on the road. And so he, he managed all of that. And, uh, oh, a couple hours before, before the game, and as we were getting prepared for the pregame stuff, Bill took out a legal pad, a yellow legal pad, and wrote, hand-wrote, about three pages of notes that would serve as his opener for Utah at Michigan. And I, I don't know if that recording still exists, but uh, Sharif Shaw and I stood in the press box and li- listened to Bill give that pregame monologue. And it was, I mean, I, I don't, really think that I get too emotional about things, <laughs> but it was as emotional as I would ever get witnessing something occur live like that. And that's a talent that, <laughs> that Bill had and not, I don't, I don't know that many other people have the ability to set the scene and to make you feel like you're experiencing what he is experiencing right there next to him. You know, on a similar note, Frank, I was, uh, I was going to ask you, I'm, I'm always, uh, I, it's always impressive how play-by-play voices connect so well with their fans and the ones that stay around for a long time. I mean, the, the connection that jazz fans had with Hot Rod Hunley or we talked about Paul James uh, earlier, but why do you think Ute fans had such a connection to Bill Markroft? Because he loved the Utes. It was, it was evident. It was clear. It was palpable. When, when Utah was winning, Bill Marcroft's voice was 
was joyful. And when Utah was losing, his voice was mournful. (laughs) If you ever listened to him call a broadcast, I think you would agree with that. And so how did you react to that as you were filling in your parts? I I just tried to keep up. I mean, (laughs) honestly, it's like, you know, I stepped in to the broadcast booth cold um, right after my senior year, and Bill was an experienced pro, and he just kind of held my hand and would, would very subtly just give me tips. He never he never we did one kind of dry run we watched some film once and he talked and then I did what I thought I should do and he just kind of subtly pulled me along and uh and then the 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 only thing that I did and the best thing that I ever did was just to observe how he prepared for a broadcast and the things that that he did in a broadcast and then I just tried to, as, as best I could, to, to just react and to keep up with him. Did you uh, ever get in any arguments? <laughs> well, sh- sh- we, I, I, I wouldn't say we, we got into arguments. Uh, I, I would say that um, there, were times, <laughs> there were times when I was probably – and people might say this still today. There are times when I, when I probably wasn't uh, very respectful uh, <laughs> on air, and um, and and Bill would just note that. I mean, he, it wasn't like an argument. It was like my it was like my granddad saying, "Hey, be, you know, keep it classy, be be a good guy, tell the story." Uh, and and that's that's what you do. You tell the story. You don't need to editorialize it. That's not necessarily your job. So, um, yeah, I, I, I in all the years that we worked together, um, you know, the maybe the 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 argument we got into was about where we were going to have the meal, you know, the night before the game, but. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, he was he he was truly one of a kind. They broke the mold, and um, I mean, he's just he'll, he'll always be the voice of the Utes to me. Frank Dolce with us, ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The Zone, uh, Frank. I do want to ask you about the big game we have coming up. Hopefully, knock on wood, Utah and USC. And I, I um, am not going to disguise my opinion on this question uh, very well. But uh, USC this week, this past week, they had two running backs who were averaging six point eight and six point seven yards per carry. Yet those two running backs only got twelve carries apiece. Uh, and Keaton Slovis, meanwhile, threw the ball 43 times. 43 times, Frank. Do you? What do you think about the air raid at USC? Is that a good? Is that offense a good fit there? When you're averaging, I mean, t- to me, the there's still some foundational foundational things about football, and especially college football. I mean, I still think that that. A sound basis in the run game is is critical to success. 
um, especially in you know with well matched teams, the ability to control the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball is <laughs> you just can't get around it. I mean, we want to talk about the quarterbacks and the running backs and the receivers and everything, but if nothing's happening up front, then nothing's happening, and that's just that's just how it goes. Um, and so I I I feel like you know. Um, sometimes offensive coordinators and coaches and defense, everybody does it, but you, you know, you just get too caught up in your own genius and you fail to process what's actually happening on the field. Um, you know, broad, so coaches do that. Broadcasters do that. You know, there, there were times, it's, it's another great thing that, that uh, Bill, Bill Marcroft, taught me uh i would make a bunch of notes about a game i would have several pages of notes and then because i worked so hard on my notes i felt like well i have to work all these notes into the game i mean how how am i going to get through a game and 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 get to say everything that i've worked so hard to prepare and and bill just you know simply said hey you know that's all it's all good that's all good preparation background but People want to know what's happening now. And I think that coordinators, coaches kind of get caught up in that too. They, they get so caught up in all of the stuff that they did to prepare and they forget on what's happening now. So I don't know. I think USC should be, you know, I still want USC to be um, student body right and student body left and the pro style offense and, Heaven knows they can get all the talent in the world to be successful running that. So I don't know that I, I, I mean, when, when you're, when you're averaging six plus yards per carry with two backs, then your quarterback probably shouldn't have to, to throw the ball unless it's absolutely necessary. One of the things I've, I've watched uh, parts of both of SC's games, and I don't necessarily want to use the word lucky but it sure seems to fit <laughs> when, when you're catching touchdown passes that are batted in the air by one of your teammates and, uh, you know, winning games like that after falling behind early. And, and uh, Slovis, he had another one of those, I think, against mm-hmm. Arizona where it's batted. Uh, is, is SC just not that good? Or are, are teams – are these teams they're playing better than we thought they were? Uh, and how? And I guess that's important to know because how will that affect what happens on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's probably a combination. Um, I would say. I think I would say that uh, USC is talented. Is, is talented as anyone you'd come across. Um, are they that good? Probably they're that good. Are they that well prepared? I don't know. I think that's where you have the that's where you have the question mark. And I've always felt that about about Coach Helton. I I really like him. By the way, I mean I've, I've said this a thousand times. I really that like that's a guy that you would say, yeah, I want my, you know, I want him to lead my son. But but um, but in getting the most out of the talent that he has available, I just don't know that he's. I don't know that he's done that. And maybe this is a team that, you know, like all teams struggling with trying to figure out what, you know, what the right 
process is under all of these crazy circumstances and getting prepared to play games and everything else, you know, maybe that's affected them differently. But the talent that they have available on the field, um, you would think there would be a good game against Arizona State, um, but they would win. And I don't know if we could say that. I think, like, like I'm, I fall in line with what you said, Gordon. And I think that you would think they would just kind of at least, at the very least, control the game against Arizona. And I don't know if, if we could say that happened either. So uh, the based on the way that they've played, uh, you, you know, in a normal year, I would say Utah goes, you know, the USC comes to Utah, Utah wins that game because Utah is foundationally a better program. The problem is USC has two games under their belts and Utah has zero. And that, I, I don't think you can overlook that fact. Frank, thank you so much for jumping on as always. And thank you for uh, sharing a couple of things about Bill Markroff. We really appreciate it. That, absolutely. It's my pleasure. That guy was the best. And um, we're all going to miss him. And, you know, as much time as I got to spend with him, my big regret is I didn't take the time to spend more time with him. So he's, uh, he's one of the all-time greatest. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate sure. you. All right, there you go. That's our friend Frank Dolce jumping on with us. Uh, give Austin a few, and we'll get that up uh, online in podcast form at 1280thezone.com. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.